Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 114. I'm your host, Em, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Gaming! Gaming! That's it. We're here at the Church of Gaming. <laughs> it's the Church of Gaming. Uh, That's right. You know, despite being a short month, it feels like we recorded the last one of these a decade ago. Every time. That's so true. I... I forget how long it's been since a time where that wasn't true. I guess it's since Gundam started, probably. Uh, yeah, one, we have weekly podcasts now, but also, you know, time being what it is, everyone locked indoors, you know, by next time we record, it will have been a year since that happened, so. Yeah, no, time doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, it's great. Video games. How's video games? Oh, we've been gaming this month? We've been gaming. How do you feel about uh... the Nintendo Direct? <laughs> What? Oh, I don't. I have no feeling. I, I was so excited for a bad Nintendo Direct, and then it was too bad. <laughs> it was, it was, um, you know, the thing is, I don't think it was, like, bad, bad. Just most of the stuff there is not for me. I don't care about Project Triangle Strategy, you know? I, do, I don't care about Project Triangle Strategy. We'll see. I don't play I Smash, with... so, you know. No. Um, <laughs> the Smash, the Smash trailer was really funny because, uh, we have enough people in, um, like, around us that, uh, care about xenoblade but not smash so that was very disappointing for them <laughs> yeah for sure uh but yes i guess there was a direct and we were like oh finally some like bad stream to watch and laugh at and there wasn't uh there wasn't too much stuff there no nope. uh i'm personally victimized by koei tecmo every day so is um, there just is there a reason they always, always use sigma did they like lose the code for original ninja gaiden what the fuck happened there? no but i assume it's just really petty reasons what are the petty reasons this is uh, this is like a now decade out of date beef with itagaki because itagaki would like talk shit about the sigma versions but the sigma versions were like directed by the people who went on to do neo oh okay um, because so, he was never involved. He he was like, on oh, the Xbox, that's where the, the code base is at. And I don't want this fake PS3 bullshit ruining my game. Um You've cut out all the all the all the difficulty and you've like removed all the puzzles. How dare you? And uh yeah, so there was like weird posturing around that. So I imagine if if, if there is any reason it's because they see that as like their versions. You know, uh, as someone as someone enough. who enjoyed Ninja Gaiden 2 until I hit a wall and couldn't progress any further, maybe I should play Sigma 2. <laughs> I don't think Sigma 2 is easier. Oh, okay. Sigma 2, it might be easier. I don't know. Sigma 2 is... Di so Sigma 1 makes a bunch of changes that make the game worse, but in, like, minor ways. Mm -hmm. uh, Sigma 2 makes, like, drastic changes that completely change the game. Oh, they did take out all like the blood spray, encounter. right? Which is, like, half the appeal of Ninja Gaiden 2 to me. It took out all the gore. It became, like, purple mist. <laughs> the, the, uh, look... Sometimes uh, my tastes are just simple. I like it when the ninja cuts guys and blood goes fucking everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it it goes beyond just like uh, an aesthetic thing. It, the gore is how you see which enemies you have to do your obliteration technique on. So like the game becomes hard to read in Sigma. Uh, but they also like cut the enemies by half and then to compensate raise all the health uh, in a game about fighting a bunch of like, you know, easy to damage low enemies uh so all the crowd fights have a completely different balance in sigma 2 mm -hmm. um i never finished it but that like sigma 2 is the one that's really radically different sigma 1 i think is like noticeably worse but it's fine i'll i'll play and enjoy sigma 1 on uh pc and stuff and then they've just you know raises edges raises edge they brought that over mm -hmm. which is i guess good because uh the um 
you know, the Razer the Z version of the Xbox One does not uh, has not been like super upscaled, <laughs> so it doesn't look as nice. So that'd be, I guess, a boost if you care about having your super sick 4K games, which I don't really. Um, I do. But are you going to be playing Ninja Gaiden Three? Some somehow I suspect not. No, no, I'm not. But that's uh, I guess that was the direct. Yeah. Uh, you know. I, I guess that's partially saying I played Ninja Gaiden 2, ran into a hard wall, and stopped playing Ninja Gaiden 2. What was the hard wall again? Uh, episode, or chapter 5, with all the water and the snake guys, the blades on them and shit. Oh, right, well, you didn't even get to a boss. Oh, you didn't even get to use the scythe. Damn. That sucks for you. That's the fucking classic Ninja Gaiden 2 weapon, is the massive scythe. You know what? I, I have a game with a massive scythe in it. It's called Bayonetta 2. You wouldn't know. <laughs> It's true. Can I can I charge up the scythe and do an ultimate technique that just like cuts down werewolves though? Probably. I don't know. I never, I use the scythe okay. a little bit, but it's not my. It's not. I like the big fuck off hammer and the uh, chainsaw and stuff like that. Whip. Whip. I like the guns. You should play Bayonetta too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in addition to that, I guess um, we played Halo Reach. We did play Halo Reach. I guess we talked about this a bit on VoIP Life, but we can talk about it again. It's, we also played ODST. Little... I don't think I think we did both those this month. Yeah, that's been both this month, and we talked about Halo ODST and VoIP Life. We have not talked about Halo Reach since we have finished Halo Reach. Yes. So Halo ODST is probably my favorite Halo. It's really good. Yes, it's really good. It's short. I think the like the way because they just do like really big set like singular set piece levels, they get to be interesting. Um I think like it has an escort mission. It's kind of fun because you're escorting a little like a potato turtle and he's good. Um A little guy. Yeah. Um the story is ridiculous, but at least Halo. it's like kind of goofy and dumb and and Reach's story is so self-serious. We played Reach. Reach is the worst Halo. So far. So far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't played the worst Halo so far. Yeah. But <laughs> It's terrible. What a bad game. Yeah, it's it's really disappointing. I appreciate adding a sprint. Needed a sprint. When we talk about the other game we've been playing, you'll understand. I need a sprint. Because I, I was doing both games at once. Need a goddamn sprint. But um, the part where it's like a Call of Duty now and is like so interested in like remilitarizing its like space guys uh, and story into a bunch of Marines doing like saying Oscar Mike and going places <laughs> fucking sucks. Yeah. Yes, because the it's pulling from aliens, right? Like, it, I mean, it's also literally pulling from Call of Duty at this point. I mean, but like Halo, like the original Halo, yes, it's yes, pulling yes. from aliens. The Marines are jokes, yeah, uh, as they are in Alien. Like, it has the classic thing of every video game of like pulling from these texts that are about the like ridiculous joke of militarized masculinity, not understanding that's a joke, yeah, um, and. So just it's just that that cycle continues endlessly. You know, you can play Doom twenty sixteen. There's everywhere in games. What if your, your what if your entire squad was that? But also they made them characters that they expect you to empathize with. The guy who etched a skull into his helmet and the girl. <laughs> the girl. She has really bad voice acting. <laughs> the uh, the big guy who speaks hung, uh, Hungarian, oh. right, and then talks to the populace like you're a bunch <laughs> of insurgents in Iraq because it's also like a post Iraq invasion <laughs> game. <laughs> They do. They do do the first level with literally doing like walking up to guys and doing the like I'm the Iraqi interpreter thing. But they've made them speak Hungarian because it would be too bad to just directly use any actual like Arabic parallels, right? Yeah. Uh, but they, that's what they're doing. It doesn't. It doesn't cover it up. They're doing the Call of Duty thing. Yeah. 
um which uh it's bad and then and then obviously this is reach it's a prequel i know i've heard of the fall of reach i know what happens yet you still have to go through it internally as they joss whedon shock kill every character um that's not true they uh mostly do like really obnoxious uh sacrifice kills they just they just went and shot kill that one girl, lady oh that lady gets shot really yeah. overall uh, scene right i i was thinking of the pilot who gets shot a bunch but then also he gets a big sacrifice moment after that because he survives just yes. enough time to slam into a scarab even though i'm perfectly capable of taking down scarabs i've done it a bunch already <laughs> but the scene this that's a sorry to spoil halo reach i guess um but the scene where she dies <laughs> is so fucking funny because she does get the like just waiting shot from off screen suddenly thing it surprised uh, me but like it didn't that didn't mean i liked it <laughs> no i liked her less than the character in dollhouse that happens to you it's my it's my remembrance fair enough <laughs> uh, i don't know uh but she's shot by like one sniper beam of an elite just kind of hanging out one of the drop ships yeah and then that and then ship all, leaves like, like it doesn't matter <laughs> like yeah also Who gives a shit? i've been getting shot in the head by elites this entire game <laughs> Not to do the Aerith thing, but come on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and they really think that, like, oh, now they can take off. This was a big deal. They can take off the helmet. They can, they can like, emote. We've got mocap, uh, you know, animation. They're I'll take, I'll take, I'll take, uh, what's his face? Firefly Man's bad, uh, <laughs> bad animated head <laughs> over this any day. Yep, as opposed to ODST, where they, they, they've face-scanned famous guys in, but they don't have mocap in the game yet, so they're all, like, animating, like, ridiculous video game characters, as God intended. Yeah. Sometimes mocap's good. Like, I really, I, you know, we're gonna talk about the game club this week, uh, this month, and uh, mocap makes that game, it's, it, literally, the game would be worse if it didn't have mocap. Uh, it ruined yes. Halo. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. And then you get to the big, like, last stand, and I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to die here. I know what the story is. We're in the post-credits big firefight, so I just, like, threw grenades at my feet and died. It was, it was, I didn't want to so fight that. Funny. It was so funny to me. That's, like, the most famous thing from Halo Reach. It's so uh, stupid. And, like, it was, like, controversial in, in the team, supposedly, because some of the team thought, you can't have a bit in a Halo game that you're meant to lose. What is this? Um... But then they were like, no, it'll be impactful and emotional and troop respecting, and those guys won, I guess. Um, which I, I'm not as down on it as you. I, you know, there's like a natural uh, appeal to the Force Last Stand gameplay to me. Um, there are other terrible games where this has happened where I've enjoyed that scene. I've played Crisis Core. The thing is, that is that that scene awful. that scene comes after a bunch of already like defend a point. Literally, one of the one of those is a tower defense sequence that miserable. <laughs> yes, there is a whole sequence in the second to last mission where you have to like activate a bunch of towers uh, and keep them active to defend against a Covenant attack. And you were like, "What's happened to Halo? What the fuck has happened to Halo?" Yeah. Uh, yeah, so a disappointing game. I'm really excited for Halo Four. Uh, this is where the games famously get bad. But I'm, I think we will both enjoy the story of Halo Four more, given everything I remember about it and you know about it, right? That I'm sure it will be technically be worse. But I'll take some really stupid, horny AI bullshit over, uh, like reaches. Every guy is going to sacrifice himself in order, militarily. The part where Halo Reach, right at the end, it, just like Rogue One, introduces Cortana as, like, the, the, the future yeah. of humanity that you got to rush to the ship to, like, save everyone. It's, it's, it's the worst. It's so bad. Cortana, that's not Cortana's history. 
No, Cortana's actually she, secretly the most important for reasons that still have not been explicated because it's not like she did anything in Halo 3. I remember well, in Halo 2, she's like, I'm going to blow up the ship just like Halo 1 and then fail to do that. Useless. The retcon, the retcon explanation within Halo Reach, which I think is stupid, but the retcon explanation is that through doing this and the data excavated in Reach is why that when the Pillar of Order jumps, they go to Halo and not some random part of space and then just get killed. It's bad. Bad. The plot of Halo was they jump and they just like happen upon this thing that the Covenant are all about. And the th she's just the ship AI for the Pillar of Autumn. She always was. No, now she's, she's chosen like to end the, the war. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Yes, uh, Reach is fucking bad and exists to like push back on the narrative that if Bungie had kept Halo, it would just have been good. Because <laughs> no, it would not. Yeah. But that's not all. No. Uh, so, uh, we also got really into Apex Legends this month. Well, I, so I made, I made yeah. the mistake of trying to play Fallen Order. I think I talked about that last month and I was like, man, I really I didn't like so. that game at all. Um, I got like 90 minutes in and I was like, eh, no. Um, <laughs> I was like, I remember Respawn making a good game. Should I replay Titanfall 2? And instead I was like, wait, they have a whole shooter I can just download and play. And I, I think some of my friends used to be into it. And so I started playing Apex and got a bunch of friends into Apex. Um, Molly and Nora of Journal Updated, also on our network, the second best game club. They have a new episode coming out the first of the month. Anyway, they're also playing Apex with us and we're just playing a lot of Apex right now. <laughs> it's It's Apex time. We're in the anniversary event. It'll be over by the time this comes out, but we've been using the Mozambique a lot. I got that Mozambique tag for getting 3,000 damage to Mozambique. Yep. Um, I like Apex a lot. It's it, 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 I love the way it moves. I really wish I had a wall run again, obviously, because the wall run in uh, Titanfall 2 is sick, but it is a great game to just hang out with your friends with. It's making me better at shooters by playing it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It's good. It's it's been good, yeah. I I was like very resistant because I you know I'm like oh can we just actually play Titanfall two? Let's do a deathmatch game. Um, but I I've I've been coming around. Apex is fun. I'm still not great at the like picking everything up like rhythm of the game, mm -hmm. but um, you know it still feels good. I just I think my thing is I wish that there was a deathmatch. Like I like Titanfall two a lot, and I wish I was playing that not all the time, right? But I I wish. I guess that like the progression system that is Apex included both battle royale and like Titanfall stuff because I'd like to switch up sometimes, hmm. uh, but unfortunately that's not how it works. You're all in this, the one the one mode. Yep. Um, but I, I don't think Titanfall would be better if they started putting like Apex hero abilities into it. I think that would kill it. Uh, but if they do Titanfall three, they will do that. So rip rip me. I, I, I mean, this game is still really popular, so I don't know why they would do that. <laughs> I just mean if they ever do the, like, you know, I don't think they'd pull away from Apex, but if they do ever do anything like Titanfall 3 or, like, bring in an actual deathmatch mode again, it'll be based around these abilities again, mm -hmm. I think. That's just, like, the way these multiplayer games have gone. The thing I, do, I like about Apex is that the abilities don't matter that much. Like, everyone's like, who do you made? And I have characters that I, I'm, like, I like more than others. But realistically, the game's about, like, pointing the gun in the right direction and shooting the guys. <laughs> yes. If you can do that, it doesn't matter who you're playing as. It's not Overwatch, right? Like... No, 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 no. Like, the, the, the abilities do matter, but, like, Overwatch's abilities are, like, things you want to time for maximum, like, deathmatch encounter. Yeah. Like, uh, you know. And there's a few like that in Apex, but even then, like, mostly you're using Bangalore's ult for, like, positioning. Yeah. That's not even really a damage ult, even though it does damage. Yeah, you, you want to you pin people down so you can flank them and shoot them. Yeah. 
Uh, I think the design stuff is like clearly uh, very smartly orientated around like the the damage is done when you shoot guys. Yeah, abilities should be secondary to that, and uh, because the guns are fucking sick. <laughs> guns are sick. They just like copied over all the Titanfall guns. Yeah. You know what? They're still sick. Yeah, they're still sick. <laughs> um yeah I, i've been having great uh, a lot of fun um everyone does want to know what your main is who do you who do you mean um i guess i i've been enjoying bangalore i like bloodhound yep. and i like loba yeah bloodhound's kind of who we funneled everyone new into our squad into because i feel like the security of the scan is real <laughs> yes um it's uh it, it you you outgrow it you don't need it but it does it is nice when you're starting out because i started out as a bloodhound and i was like oh it's nice to be able to ping this thing and feel like oh, okay and now i'm already like yeah i'm like oh now i'll switch to bangle i can run i can you know do the do the big thing if i need yeah um uh i like uh i like rampart and watson and lifeline and fuse fuse is really good he's the new guy um we've been playing all with molly and molly tends the main fuse so i tend not to use him but he's very cool yeah i have not unlocked fuse so i haven't tried him yet um but yeah we'll probably keep playing that but i don't expect we're going to talk a bunch about it but you know getting reliably getting wins like you know not every night but every other night feeling good about it if i hit top two that's basically like a win like the other guys are just better but like i killed everyone else survived everyone else (laughs) uh yeah i've got um a few top twos yep i think i'm at two wins you're more than me you just got uh you got like a one in solo queue. Your first solo queue was a win, which like made you think that solo queuing was good for a while. <laughs> I, I've had I've had good night solo queuing. I've had bad night solo queuing. Yeah, uh, I I do not like solo queuing in these games. Um, I, you know it's fine as long as you you know adjust your expectations. I feel like it teaches you to depend on your own decision making way more. Um, in a way that because we were playing with people who've been playing the game way longer than us that we're talking to, um, you need to break away and be able to like make your own choices. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Got to leave the nest sometime. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. Uh, and then I played uh, a game called Gato Roboto, which is a very small uh, Metroidvania uh, created by Doinksoft. It's on Switch and uh, Xbox and PC. I played on Game Pass. Um, and it is a, uh, it starts black and white, but it does the thing I like with uh, very simple color palette games like this, where you can get new palettes and change the way the game looks uh, through the game. Um, but it's basically a Metroid style game where a ship crash lands uh, but the guy's stuck inside the ship, and so he sends his cat out, and then the cat gets a robot suit, finds a robot suit on the plant surface, and uh, is going around exploring. Um, this is not like a Metroidvania. This is a Metroid, like straight up. And I think the difference is significant. Um, it's very short. Uh, I probably could have finished it in two hours. I ended up being like 2.30 because I was trying to find everything. I did find all the upgrades. I missed like a secret somewhere. I'm not quite sure. I was looking it up, and I was like, that sounds like a pain in the ass. I'm not going to bother with that. Um I got like 97%. I feel all right about it. Um, it was fun. I, I highly recommend it. It's usually, It goes on sale really often. I think I bought it on PC for like $3 and then just played it on Game Pass anyway. <laughs> um, but it's good. I do I do enjoy it. Um, uh, and also, uh, I'm playing Double My Cry 4. Uh, continue to play Double My Cry 4. That's on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash mapping. Check it out. I'm about to enter Dante's route. I'm really excited. Uh, despite the fact that I really got a handle on Nero now and it's going to be sad to give him up. <laughs> This is why I'm the person who, like, whenever I'm playing Devil May Cry, right, I'm like, oh, I really missed that, that grab. <laughs> the actual thing for me is not the grab. It's that I've I basically nailed getting X-Seed pretty regularly, and I, I'm going to fucking oh, miss fuck. it. Oh, fuck. Yeah. 
I mean, you can try like to you know parlay that into doing royal guard. I, I guess. bought I bought the thing that uh, if you like frame perfect exceed gives you all three charges, and I'm getting it pretty regularly. Sick. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, I just recorded an episode where I bought that today, and I was like, man, I'm getting this more often than I uh, thought I would, and it's fucking incredible. Because <laughs> it's one of those things that's like, it's just a bonus if you time it right. Yeah, you have to, you literally not... have to be frame perfect. I think the, f- I think the normal XE timing is like four frames, and this is like one frame. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it, it's not something that if you miss, it's a problem. No, no, no. Uh, I just don't get the charge. Just... But when you get the charge, it's like yeah. sick. <laughs> Yeah, but you're just incentivized to try it yeah. versus hacks. Because uh, uh, XC charging gives you bonus damage and uh, the attacks are like bigger and also it raises your combo faster. So if you're yes. not exceeding, it's very hard to get like S rank. It's true. The game's hard for ranks. I've never been a good like score DMC player in any of the games. I don't expect I'm going to, but I mean, we'll see. I don't like the thing is five's ahead of me. Like it's really it's really hard to stop and spend the time with these games when like I still have unplayed games in the franchise, right? Like I want to finish oh, yeah. this game and then play Dumb Cry Five. I'm not gonna let's play that. I'm gonna play that on Xbox and it's gonna look great and I'm gonna have a good time. Um but um I don't, I like, it's like, then once I'm done, I can decide where I want to spend my time. And I might just go back to this and like, continue to work on it. Cause it's fucking good. Mm-hmm. It's a very good game. Mm-hmm. Nero's really cool is the thing. He is very cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get to Dante, but I don't expect I'm going to like be as excited about Dante's moveset. Cause I've seen Dante's moveset, but um, I like Dante. He's fine. He's good. You know? My thing with that game is I, I never I, use Devil Trigger. I'm really bad about, like, remembering it exists and using it. That's because I assume, you, you're, you know, the game's not hard enough at the, like, level you're at. Yeah, probably. But, like... Because Devil Trigger is a big power upgrade, right? And it's when your back's against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, thing, the thing with that is... Um, I'm playing Lords of Shadow. I don't, I'm not very far in, so I don't want to talk about it that much, but like that game has like dark and light magic that's kind of like Devil Trigger because you have to blow charges and whatever. But light magic in that game, when you pop it, when you do damage, it restores your health. So it's like a limited resource to like help charge you up when you're like down on health. And I wish mm. Devil Trigger did that. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Then I, then I'd be incentivized to use it more because like the thing that it does is like, one at the default mode it lasts like about four hits and then you you don't i don't feel like i'm like when i remember to use it, it it's like a game changer like exceeds doing way better reliable damage than double trigger is yeah but i don't know <laughs> action games it's, it's nice to just play some action games i agree and since we're basically done covering double cry on this uh podcast because we've already done two three of them uh i'm just nice to just play the video games been a month of gaming that's what i do it's you know when everything else sucks it's true it's true i i dropped a couple other games i think i talked about like last time i'm like i'm if i don't enjoy a game i drop it i played a bit of uh sunset overdrive which has like a really cool movement system but in service of circling around an arena shooting down at enemies in a way that's really boring so i i played like an hour and a half, like two hours of that and i was like i'm not feeling this at all so i got rid of that that's exactly the sense. I haven't like I haven't played it, but I look at it and I go, "This movement's cool." But every gameplay thing, it's like going. I, they're looking down the floor, shooting guys. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was kind of a bummer because I, I mostly enjoyed what like the movement stuff, but it wasn't enough to make up for the shooting. And if someone really thinks that game opens up, I can redone with it. It's fine, whatever. But I think that's it. I don't think I dropped anything else major. 
last little while. So that's it. That's video games. Game Club this month is Kodelka, which is a role-playing game directed or developed by Sacknoth. Is that how you say that? I assume that is. I believe so. Um, Published by SNK um, in Japan and Infograms, who's entertainment. uh, (laughs) Um, This is uh, directed, written, composed, (laughs) produced by Hiroki Kakuta, uh, who was working on uh, Secret of Mana and Trials of Mana. Um, he left to form the studio. He left Square Enix to form the studio. I guess it wasn't Square Enix at this point, but you know what I mean. Um, yep. He was a, he was just a composer. Before. Yes, 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 yes. They were like, he was like, can I make a game? And they were like, no. And he was like, fuck you. I'm going to go make a game. Yeah, he left and made a game basically like wearing every hat possible um, and made like, this strange... Every hat except the battle system. Yes. <laughs> you just let the team do. Uh, which we'll talk about. Um which is funny. Uh, but yes, made this game, uh, you know, a late PlayStation 1 game. Uh, and this is a precursor to the Shadow Hearts series, which they go on to make, which I think are more traditionally RPGs, but, you know, I haven't played them. Yes. Um, um, this is the, technically the first Shadow Hearts game, but, like, uh, after this game, um, because it kind of like, doesn't do very well, uh, he leaves and just, like, forms his own, like, music label. Uh, and he's been doing that ever since. Man, I gotta go check that out, though, because the music in this game is fucking great. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, would you like to tell us about the plot of Kadelka, Jackson? Uh, the plot of Kadelka is in the year 1898, uh, in a castle, uh, in a monastery, I guess, near Aberystwyth in Wales, uh, a medium named Kudelka arrives at this monastery named Nemeton, uh, summoned by uh, some unknown spirit to do something. Uh, this is nebulous at the start, but uh, before she finds out what that like reason is, uh, she uh, runs into some companions, uh, a like wayward adventurer, it says here, Edward Plunkett, uh, who is there uh, because of the rumors of riches in this monastery. And then, so a thief. Uh, so just a thief. thief. <laughs> just a fucking thief. Uh, and then uh, Catholic Bishop uh, James O'Flaherty, uh, who is has been sent by the, uh, the the church on some mysterious mission to this monastery, and they explore the monastery and find out what is going on. And what is going on is that she has been summoned uh, by um, Elaine, uh, who is a spirit uh, that uh, has died and is restless and is tied to the mystery of this monastery. Um, who, and because what happened to her is she was killed uh, by a thief in the night uh, years ago, and uh, her husband uh, Patrick has been so like overwrought with guilt by this that he has moved to this monastery and been spending twenty years like uh, killing people and trying to get like and, like using this text called the emigre document to try to sacrifice enough people to bring her back to life in like a dark ritual he's been he's like brought the caretakers of this monastery in on his scheme uh a lot of the early games about them like did they poison us were they trying to kill us uh they were nice to the catholic bishop what was going on there they were trying to kill them because they hate thieves and there's some kind of revenge uh for the random uh violence that befell this woman and 
uh Patrick is James O'Flaherty's long lost friend. He was also in like a love triangle with Elaine and is here to set things right. Uh, yes. Not only is he do. sent by the Vatican to bring back the emigre document, but he has personal beef, like, or not beef, but he has baggage with these two. And that's why he's personal here. baggage with these two. Yes. And then they do this. They, you know, they go to the place to find out what's going on. Uh, Patrick's already dead and they just simply have to burn the place down. Yeah, it turns out um, he succeeded uh, in resurrecting he her succeeded. body, but not with Elaine's spirit in it. <laughs> no, and Elaine's spirit is like, can you go deal with that, please? Because there's like a super fucked up fl- plant version of me hanging around. And uh, you you do that. It's like a very simple ending um, for a JRPG. Like there's no massive mystery here. Uh, you, you know, you go take action and there's two endings uh, well there's three endings either if you don't have if you don't have um, her pendant uh, that you can find then you just fucking die but the, the two main endings are you get to the final boss who is elaine's uh elaine's body uh, when you've like started burning the church and uh she's still chasing you and if you win the fight it is a bittersweet ending as you have done it you've like freed the curse uh but you, no nothing has been learned uh it feels a bit empty uh or if you uh, do not beat Elaine, um, then uh, God must intervene, uh, and uh, like uh, James sacrifices himself, um, like in like a moment of pure faith, basically chanting as he goes like in and like I've always loved you. I forgive myself. I accept my lot. And then like a beam from the heavens comes down and purifies uh, like both of them, and they both ascend, uh, leaving just uh, Kudelka. And Edward together uh, waking up the next morning uh, to be like, well, that happened. And uh, he rides off into the night. Kadelka says they'll meet again. She specifically, she specifically, it's implied they sleep together that one night after they've defeated the monster or whatever. He gets on the horse and he's like, will I ever see you again? She's like, I don't think so. And he's like, oh, damn. And he rides off. And then the old creepy old mummy man shows up and is like, oh, why didn't you go after him? She's like, I think we're going to see each other again. I just didn't want to tell him that. (laughs) I'm just fucking with him. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, so that's like the the broad like plot plot of the game, yep. uh, but the bulk of the game is mostly about like character work as these three explore the monastery in Resident Evil style uh, like maps. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the mystery is there, but it's more about like okay let's dig into why James is such a weirdo. Let's argue for two like hours about like you know the uh way that british people use politeness to mask evil <laughs> like a whole massive theme of the game and very true um, uh, so it's stuff like that uh, and it's all communicated through like mo-capped uh like scenes that are still with the pre-rendered backgrounds and the character model so it's not like super deep and they're not like cutting cam- camera angles they like play out as like audio plays with the mocap on the like broad expressive models yes uh, and they're really good. <laughs> yeah. The thing about the mocap in this is uh, specifically Kakuda wanted to use mocap uh, because, you know, this he started this game in 97, like Final Fantasy 7 had come out. And that's a, that's a game that, like, we really like. And it, for good reason, it's good. Um, but it's about, like, very key animated, like, broad gestural, you know, acting. And we talked about that when we talked about that game in 6, if you go back into the archives. But he wanted something a little more uh, specific and, like, motion captured. Unfortunately, there wasn't anywhere in Japan that you could just mocap multiple actors on a stage, which is now, like, every video game does that. But he went to uh, Future Light, which is a studio uh, that had worked on 
this like real time mocap system that for the Godzilla movie, the 98 Matthew Broderick one, um, and could mult like mocap multiple actors. And so they went there, they, they got a casting call locally for like, you know, American actors. They found three actors and then he stepped back and let the American, uh, the guy who worked at the studio direct the performances. So you don't get the thing where they're trying to sound like anime that is still plagues video games to this day. Yes. And this so- is, this is an incredibly localized and directed game yeah and so like even the japanese version has just the english voice acting with like japanese subtitles and it has kind of like an amateur theater feel to it like it doesn't it doesn't sound like dev voice acting uh and i you know and i don't mean this in a bad way it just sounds like some actors who like you know they act but they're not like famous actors doing big performances they're just people who like like to act and they're they're in a scene and they're acting together and it really works like it's broad but it really like the character work is good and the performances are nice like kodaka herself is fantastic um and it's just i was super impressed by it uh yeah and it's like like crucial because there's there's scenes in this game which are like can get like a bit stock um you know, it's very like near side quest. Sometimes you go to a, uh, you find a ghost, and she's like, "Oh, no one's ever loved me. Why don't you all just die?" And it could, you know, this happened in many games. But like, it's not the same kind of anime voice acting, and that like genuinely makes a difference in like the feel of the scenes. Yes. Uh, and it like it's it's really strong. Um, I think the performance in this game are incredible. It's like uh, there's decisions made across the board of like <laughs> this game's set in Aberystwyth, <laughs> um, and it's about. Like, uh, you know, Kadelka's Romani, um, and James is Irish. So this could someone could have made the choice to make this a game full of accents in a way that would have been hilarious. It's not. Everyone's using an American accent, uh, so it, like, which adds to the theatrical feel of like, you know, these Americans put on this like British play, mm-hmm. right? Basically, yeah, yeah. and so I, th- I think that that choice is like perfect. If they made any other choice, it would have fallen down immediately. Uh, they recognized this and uh, did like the performances basically as good as they could have been considering the like limitations and the uh like situation they were in yes um and uh i i i adore this game i think this game's incredible mm-hmm. uh there's one scene like it's weird because like so much of the writing feels like very like mid-90s edgy like anime ova like oh we got some supernatural science stuff mixing together it's like what if we made steampunk uh shimagami tensei um but the performances really buoy it. Like there's one scene that I think is like literally one of the best acted scenes, especially of this decade, straight up across the, like the nineties. But um, there's a bit where um, uh, James is like, I got to work on something. I, we're going to blow open the door. So you guys just hang out and let me work on some science. And so Edward and Kadelka just get drunk and just hang out <laughs> in like this room and give their backstories to each other. And Edwards is like this ridiculous, like, oh, I was going to be an academic, but I didn't really have much uh, verve for it. And my rich family sucked. So I ran off and became a Han Solo type. And Kadelka is like, well, I heard voices when I was young. And so my Romani like family kicked me out because they were afraid of my magical abilities. And I had to roam the streets as a child and like, you know vaguely implies that she like became a prostitute or whatever it's just like 90s anime edge like straight up uh but the performances are really good like the way she like throws his backstory which is like very pampered back in his face um but it's like wounded by like like seeing that like they are in the same situation but with radically different backgrounds and his is not as traumatic as hers and she like is angry at him and jealous of him at the same time it's incredible yeah I, i this is the stuff i think is really good about the game um, because, like, you know, we played Suikoden last time, 
and uh, that game often gets brought up along with other kinds of games, like you know, playing FF12. Like we talked about this last time, like the RPGs for adults, right? But this one's not for kids and, and the fucking anime bullshit. This one's like for adults. It's about serious military themes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't end up meaning anything, yeah. like in the actual game. Whereas this is a that takes it the other way. Was like this, I feel like is a. I was playing this like, oh, this is what I want when I think of like RPGs for adults, and it's not like about the like thematic shifts of the game or the like story being told. It's a serious focus on like writing characters yes. as people. Yeah, it it, it feels you know, um, uh, if it felt like very novelistic in a way to me not like like in like a intensity oh this is like super good prose but like it's like a good like b like b book right or whatever i don't yeah. know what it is but it's like this is good it's just good character writing yeah yeah uh that stuff is really impressive and i enjoyed a lot like and the ghost story is like nice it's like the thing i like about ghost stories is ultimately like a ghost story should be about the sadness of the people who are still around and not about like yes. the ghost necessarily. And I think it manages to do that mostly pretty well, considering you fight a giant plant demon at the end of the game. <laughs> yes. I w- the whole time I was really like, how are they going to have a JRPG ending? Because <laughs> um, I don't, because the game is just not that. And even in like, you know, it's also a Resident Evil. Um, yeah, we'll get to that when we a- talk about the gameplay stuff. But, like, even, like, the story, right? You're gone to a place and you're exploring it, which is not necessarily, like, the plot structure of a JRPG, but those games also end with big, crazy boss fights. Um, and I was like, how, do they, how are they going to do this with the tone of the game? And I, while there's a lot of very funny stuff at the end, I do, I think it's mostly handled really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, really like that the best ending of the game is the one where you lose to the final boss. Yes. Um and that they have both endings and that uh, correctly like the ending whether you beat the final boss is one where you win but you understand nothing like you've not done you haven't sacrificed anything you haven't like had to ch- you just beat the thing with your power and that your reward is to just be alone yeah james, I think it's james really is smart. like crying on a rock going like oh life really is for the living i guess it's like oh i guess we won because we were strong and that there's no there's no one here to explain anything to us like we we we, we won we did it this is it this is victory mm-hmm. um and uh it doesn't like beat you over the head with that but i i really i really like that choice yeah for sure um but then there's the yeah like you said this is a resident evil or you know purports to be uh famously uh Kikuda wanted to make this actually a Resident Evil where you're running around like fighting enemies and they're like uh excuse us we're Square Enix employees what if we made a JRPG <laughs> people yes. really like JRPGs we should make one of those and then they did like and so you're going around pre-rendered backgrounds uh it is like a dreary monastery castle dungeon space um and picking up items uh and but then you get into random encounters and there's boss battles and you transition to a battle screen and uh famously the battles are incredibly slow because it's late playstation so loading every animation takes literally like 20 seconds as characters fade out and then the animation plays the characters fade back in um it adds up um and i think is like the worst part of this game i don't like the rpg part that much um I quite like the RPG part, but it's way too slow. It's way too slow. I uh, also all your gear is like random drops uh, from enemies. Uh, it has uh, like uh, what do I want resilience, degradation, whatever. Like it'll break as you use your weapons, um, and uh, but you need to use the weapons to level up the weapon classes to make you better at using the weapons. But that also makes them break faster, which is very frustrating in a game where like grinding is punishingly slow because it takes forever. Um, 
And also, magic is so broken in this game. <laughs> well, yeah, and if if you like, this game's easy to min max. Yes, like, yes. Um, uh, I ended up restarting the game because it had been like I started it a month ago. I thought I'm like I don't remember what happened to start, and I need to grind a bit. And because of like the way the magic system works, I may as well restart because I can do the grinding at this. You know, like the thing I would be grinding wouldn't necessarily be levels; it'd be like magic fortifying, which I can do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started again, and then yo, by like knowing what to do instantly, the game is trivial. <laughs> uh, I was so powerful in that game. Um, like by the end, my uh, magic was always doing like two thousand damage. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. By the end of the game, definitely like magic is the like you. If you have a good weapon on, like for boss or whatever, you can do pretty good physical damage. But really, it's about hitting them with magic over and over again. Uh, yeah, and like I, <laughs> you can do some good physical damage if you've like leveled up the thing. I was using um the rifle mm-hmm. with uh, uh Edward at the end. Oh, okay. Um, which ended up being a better choice because I had like a, I had like a big bullets. hammer on him that was doing pretty good damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> like I I um I really like the feeling of like oh I I've I've min maxed myself correctly and now you know the boss goes down to three hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it does it doesn't like lead to like super interesting challenge and there's not like you know been the time. To, to really have many like final fantasy bosses yeah which are defined to me by there is a core mechanic to them yeah uh there's like so it's usually around elemental weaknesses occasionally there's like a boss with like there's a one boss that has uh boxes in the way that you have to break who always dodges it's like they do do things but they're mostly like extreme stat variants the the thief it, boss is actually like the most interesting boss in the game and yeah you run across another thief that's in here um and you just have a battle where they're also like they're moving behind cover and like taking shots at you and they're very fast and they, they attack a lot and uh you know it, like being challenged against something that is not just like a big monster that lumbers at you is like really interesting but it's literally the only time it happens in that game <laughs> yeah and, and it's, it's good but like even then it's not like you know every final fantasy game begins you have the boss you have to not attack for a bit and that's like the start of it and they build out from there they just haven't had the time to iterate on like the battles in that way mm-hmm. which is fine it's not what the game's about but it does mean the rpg system is very simple like there's one super boss in the game that doesn't really matter mm-hmm. uh yeah um and like random battles especially early on are just like really rough like it's one of those games where like you're either going to like defeat the enemy in two turns or you're in a you're in a bad way <laughs> yes uh, enemies like hit hard yes like this this game has a reputation for being too easy and too hard like in extreme ways i've seen people call this the hardest jrpg ever made i've seen people call this like completely easy and useless like there's in the wikipedia thing like we made it easy so anyone could see the ending um and so like clearly something's like off and weird with the balance if those two opinions can exist side by side yes and uh it's once you've played it it's obvious how it happens but it definitely leads to a strange balance in the game yep yeah like if you try to if you try to generalize it's really hard if you don't understand how leveling your like spells and attacks work it's really hard yes because you don't level up like in a jrpg automatic way you have to ass- i mean you stats. do you uh, uh, yes i meant like specifically how like magic gets to level two and level three like that yes, radically changes well. stuff uh, which requires like really intense grinding no way intense grind really focused play in a way that i think i like but i understand why people don't like and i think that like the way you're meant to play this game is never like never grinding (laughs) 
Um, because I think that the only way the design makes sense in an interesting way is that the choices are choices and not like things that you can do slowly optionally. Um, because in a, in a world where like you do the battles and like the random drops just dictate your like a range of abilities, uh, I feel like the design makes sense if you're always pushing forward and you're always having to like scrounge up your best approach from the like opportunities you've had. Um, it works, but you know at any time you can get into a battle and just like use four to five seven times and get it up to level two. Oh yeah for sure then... but also there's the problem where like if you are good at the resident evil puzzle solving you will encounter less battles and then the, the battle part will be harder for you the, so there are puzzles in this game i did not use a guide i never got lost never knew like i had every item every time all the time i knew always what to do I have gone through a 3D environment in a Resident Evil-like fashion many times. I'm good at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the like Resident Evil puzzle-solving like environmental exploration stuff is. I love it. I don't get me wrong. I love it. I always love that stuff. It is very easy. There is no. There was no. There was literally no time where I was lost. Like yeah. not even once. But um, I don't think. I don't necessarily think that's true. If you were just like a Square fan who played this game, right? Like. But I don't think there's huge luck. overlap between the the survival horror people and the JRPG people necessarily. That's true. It's just like us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my uh, thing ultimately is like I really like the survival horror stuff. Um, I like going through the space, but then you get into battles that can last like you know five minutes, and then I come out of battle. And I'm like, what was I doing again? I hate the way it interrupts the flow of exploring a space, and I don't like the way it robs the game of being scary because you're in a space with something else that's like there with you. Um, and that's fundamentally so I, the thing I like the least about this game. So I do like the way it robs you of the last thing because I'm a scaredy baby. Um, <laughs> so at no point am I worried about like a zombie suddenly jumping me. Yeah, I'm just I hate that. The space. Like, what's the point I, of I being it. in a big dungeon, like scary ghost place, if nothing ever comes at you? But, you know, you open that one um, uh, cupboard and there's a mummy in there that one time. Yeah, and then it cuts to a boss fight. and You're like, I guess I'm going to shoot this mummy like everything else. And you do, and it's fairly easy. But if um, there, what if you what if Jill Valentine opens a chest and a zombie falls out and is crawling at her, and suddenly you have to back away and try to shoot down at it, and you're like, "Shit, what do I do?" Well, then I'm like, "Oh, why did I play Resident Evil?" <laughs> um, I was playing a bit of Resident Evil Remake during this because I was like, "You know what? I want re a new context." And it was it was on Game Pass, you know, <laughs> very easy excuse to do anything. It was, not, it was on Game Games for Gold. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Same thing at this point. Uh, yeah. Um, and so I played. I played like you know an hour and a half of that, and um, that game still fucking slaps. It's good when the enemies are in the space with you because it causes you stress and it makes it hard to like remember to keep calm and how to navigate the space. And none of that is in Kodaka because it's a turn-based RPG that interrupts the scary, like the, the environment to just load you into the void map and you find another enemy. And I, I, I genuinely think it robs the game of so much mood that like, I, I significantly like the game less than you because I don't, I want it to be scarier. I want it to be a horror game. Yeah. I don't disagree. I do think that like, the the tension like i don't think it's as inert as you because i think that there is an inherent tension to jrpg random battles that like this game pulls from of like the how long can you go before a random battle hits um which like that is the tension while exploring which is an intention in all jrpg games but i think like placing it in its resident evil context actually like works fairly well mm -hmm. um and you're like oh shit i got to a thing uh the the problem is the fights are both like either too easy or too hard right and have like the challenge is completely 
you know arbitrary at some point yes. um, based on your build uh and also uh they take forever so it does interrupt the flow and then the main challenge of like the like spatial exploration is like did i actually remember to pick up the arm yeah this game could really <laughs> and, use items glowing a little harder than they do <laughs> luckily i picked up every item in every screen and i never missed anything completely organically but that's luck at a point right yeah. like i didn't if you missed the pendant you're fucked and there's that is not that has not yeah, been the experience pendant. of either myself or the community i did pick up the pendant and stuff but like you know mm -hmm. we had people playing this along with us who definitely had a harder time like just things like because the backgrounds are so gloomy especially if you're playing this like a vita or something um it's hard to see where the fucking doors are yep because they're incredibly ornate, like, fancy castle backgrounds that are full of stuff in a way that, like, the Spencer Mansion is not full of stuff. It's also, like, very clearly years later. Yes. Uh, the Spencer Mansion, in on the play PS1 at least, yeah. is, like, a very bright place. The, like, doors yeah. are primary colors a lot of the time. But even, even like, if you get to Resident Evil, like, 2 or 3, like, you're navigating modern spaces. So, like, what a door yes. is is very easily signposted in a way that's not true of, like, you know, old architecture. Well, everything's just a different shade of gray or brown yeah. in yeah. a way that, like, is, like, very moody in a way that I think works. Yeah. But, yes, like, there are definitely points where, like, the pre-rendered backgrounds can be fairly confusing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, I did get lucky in, like, managing to get everything, but if I had, like ended up at a point where i missed like the thing to do i'd have no idea like, i'd just been completely stuck yeah um like if you i'm trying to think of an example but like yeah like missing the pendant or if you didn't know where the arm was um if you didn't know well there's a couple times where it's like you have to get into like an uh just talking and there's one bit where you go down to the bottom and you have to go back to talk to a like roger again mm -hmm. and it doesn't always signpost that stuff uh super well um so yeah it's like you know this is not a team that has designed a resident evil game before right like you, you feel the growing pains of it but i think for the attempt it's like uh really refreshing especially compared to like other jrpgs like once you compare it to resident evil right it's not you know it's not as good as the spatial stuff yeah but I do think as a vision for the kind of spatial thinking you can be doing while progressing through, like, random battles, uh, it's really smart. I would love to have more, like, puzzles to solve in JRPG dungeons. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. I just wish it was, like, wish it was scarier. I wish that the stuff about, like, you know, I think the environment's so cool. I want to, like, encounter things in the environment. And it just not doing that was very disappointing to me. Like, it's important that you go down that hallway and you're afraid of something on the other side of it. And that there's nothing in this game that's like that is, is a disappointment to me. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. This is just like a fundamental difference. I felt so much more reassured and able to enjoy the game knowing that that wouldn't happen. Yeah, it just led to like exploration being kind of boring. I'm like, okay, like eventually I'm going to run to a battle, but like, I'm just kind of running around here. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know, it's like, it's strange because like, it is like a matter of taste here. And I happen to like this, like survival horror of this era specifically. Um, and like, I think even though it's like less, like not as like a horror game, like I think Parasite Eve does this marriage much better. Um, 
I guess I need to play Parasite Eve. Like the story is worse, and like I th- I think Kodaku is better in a lot of ways, but like Parasite Eve is a better game to play to me in a huge way. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, this game has like a really weird battle system. Yeah. In a way that I assume Parasite Eve has like a cool. Yeah, I mean, because that one's specifically about a game about like when the enemies show up on the map, you have to run at them in like gun range and fire guns, and then you know not get too close where they attack you and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, because you're a cop and you have guns. Because it's a fucking game about a cop with a gun. Sick. The guns in this game are weird because, like, they give you they give you a gun and at first you, you like it's easy to rely upon, but then you'll quickly run out of ammo if you do. And it's like, it's like a weird experience like tank because really you should be using magic instead and not the gun. Um, but by the end of the game, if you use the magic instead of the gun, you're just tripping over it. Like I stopped picking up ammo hours before I finished the game because I was full. Yep, that's why I went back to the gun at the end. I was like, oh, I just have a bunch of ammo. I can just use this rifle. Yep. And then again, because if, if you are progressing through the game quick enough, right, like you are never running out of stuff because you're always like encountering the new stuff before you run out of the old stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I do think the random, like the random battles and the random equipment specifically is an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the inability to ever like go to a shop and just get stuff, uh, I think gives attention to like the battles and the system in a way that I think is like meaningful, right? Like you can't just like go and get more health. Um, and the way that they like account for this is you will always get your health and MP back when you level up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that like encourages you like pushing on. Um, it encourages you like not uh, getting settled and doing the thing where you, you know, in a JRPG, you just like sit on the world map by a save point and uh, make sure you're okay, right? This game doesn't have that kind of security. Which I do think is like an improvement on um, the mood of the game because otherwise, like, there'd be parts where you'd be like, I'm not going to press forward till I'm ready on all these things. But instead, no, pressing forward is usually always more beneficial than standing and grinding. Yeah. Uh, I do think that like design is at least focused in that direction. Yep. There's also a bunch of weird, like, hidden stuff. Like, there's like a. There's like special weapons that drop if you enter the courtyard at like a certain time on your clock. There's like a lot of weird mechanics in the game. Yes. And there's also like weird hint stuff they don't really tell you about. Yeah. Um, there's that if you get that mask, you get better drops for other things. Like, you know, they, and none of it really matters. The game exists to push you through the story. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's... Uh... It's weird because, like, I really like the game, but I I liked it far less than you <laughs> for the, yeah, those I reasons. Mean, but like, I don't disagree with anything you say. I'm just like, yeah. At the at the end of the day, like, I want it to be a spooky game, and it's not. But otherwise, I'm I'm 100 with you. I also think yeah, I just I like the battle system less than you. I think it's like pretty like for all of its like weirdness. Ultimately, it's a game about like the mage uses magic, the healer heals, and the guy runs up and hit things, and you just do that over and over again. Yes, I mean it's not like an especially exciting RPG in terms of uh, systems. Yeah. Um, but the thing I loved about it, and like I, I haven't been like super positive just because it's this is kind of a formally mechanical talk in the way we normally do them. Yeah. Uh, but like I like just loved the vibe of it. I really liked the characters. I liked the story. I liked the rhythm of exploring like a space. I go through a few screens. I solve a puzzle. I find a boss, and then I get like a a new like scene that's like really well acted. I like all the characters. I think the specific writing of like the '90s anime edge is like really good in a way that surprised me because i'm used i'm often like a hater on these kind of things i was worried about gonna like to think this whole thing's obnoxious you know i don't like near very much um and this is that's what i associate with like you know it's doing a lot of the same things uh but 
I I just I just really thought it was good. Like there's one scene that like I always think of in this game. Uh, the scene when you after you encounter the thief, mm-hmm. uh, and they're discussing what to do with him. Yes, this, I want. I'm glad we circled back this because I was gonna bring it up. We we're in the middle of something else, and I was like, I don't know if we'll come back to this. But yeah, you're just like, what do we do with this guy? And Edward pulls out a gun, just fucking shoots him, and it's like, well, he's a thief, right? We can't trust him. And Edward, you are a thief who are, was also breaking into this place for treasure. Well, no, it's more than that. It's like they have like a five minute debate about like, you know, it, it's clear the couples, they've been killing people. They're just killing thieves. They were nice to you because you're a priest. And, and uh, you know, James has been spending the last few scenes being like, if people are being murdered here, it must be because of their own moral deficiency. Yes. And just being just like an awful person in that way, uh, because it's like the world he holds on to justify everything as like a Catholic bishop. <laughs> um, and, and so like, it's this intense scene that's doing about this stuff. And, uh, I think Edward's like, he, this guy's right. You're being a shithead to him. Anyway, bam, shoots him in the face. I was like, damn, damn Edward. <laughs> and I think the specific ways that like, every character in this game is an awful person are really interesting to me because it never feels like overly um what's the word like overly grim i guess like they're all it feels very realist in how you know for for a big like you know gothic anime rpg i guess uh for the ways in which these characters suck like uh you know james isn't um like cartoonishly misogynistic or something like that he's just his thing he does is he talks about the moral value of like all these people must have died for a reason right uh edward isn't like you know i I don't i can't think of the cartoonish version but like it feels very uh smart having him just like very coldly kill this uh, like competitor who's doing the same thing as him yeah i mean Uh, like the worst version of this is like a star lord guy right like yes yes that's what i think yes but he's not that character because this is a game about sad people who are like more realistic. Mm-hmm. I I just think that like the sadness of all three of the main characters comes across really well in all their scenes. Yeah, uh, and like it, it never. Like, she basically gives the fucking um in that uh the drinking scene she gives the psychomantis monologue uh but there it's like to the nth degree there were flames everywhere i killed my own father let me have my mask i want is feels nostalgic etc 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 um uh and here it's like it just it's just like approaching this in a far more grounded way i i, I don't i don't i feel like i'm using the wrong terms because i don't think the game's like actually like a realistic type story but i do think the like emotional realism of the characters is treated with much more respect uh than i am used to in this kind of genre piece um i mean the secret is that if you got over being scared you'd fucking love horror fiction because it's all like this. this i mean that's what i that's what I, th- I think right is that like oh this story is just about people coming to this ghost and like dealing with their own fucked up traumas this is what i want from stories i guess i would love horror fiction yeah. i'm just a baby <laughs> um but yeah, yeah i like i said i i mostly agree with you just to less degree <laughs> It's a cool game. Think- it made me really excited for Shadow Hearts uh, also because like that's a different like that's like more of a straight RPG. But like I'm interested in seeing this world built out a little bit in a game that's like less in like inconsistent in its structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I'm very excited for that. Uh, that's not going to be this year. It's not in our year of JRPGs, but I we intend to return to Shadow Hearts at some point. Excited about this. Yeah. Um i i think you're right that like yes uh i have this like game was more impactful for me because i have seen less horror stuff uh 
Like I could, I'm not playing Silent Hill, right? Yeah. <laughs> if I want some stories about like realistically sad and awful people going through like spaces and having situations happen, then like I could, I could do that. I'm just a baby. <laughs> yeah. Instead, you play Metal Gear, which is like the dumb Instead man's version of this. <laughs> it's so dumb, but I do love it. <laughs> Do we have anything more, or do we want to get to questions? No, I think that's it. We should uh, break for some music, and we'll be back with some questions. time for emails if you would like to send emails you can do that at podcast at abnormalmapping.com they can be about our game club games it can be about any game you want gaming emails generally are appreciated i love just talk about some bullshit about some video games i'm desperate for it these days now that i'm in gamer mode again that's true um so our first uh email is from alex uh, when I started playing Kadelka, I was having a good time. The voice acting animations were cheesy. The plot was some good gothic horror. It filled with their JRPG. Then the boss fight with the thief happened. I would get consistently wiped trying to do the fight, so I'd turn on cheats rather than grind. And for a while, I had a great time, but it turns out that putting in cheats also made the game more and more unstable. I experienced crashes and graphical issues. Uh, and then one point, every cutscene on Disc 4 played instead of letting me play Disc 4. <laughs> Well, that's broken. Um, I disabled all cheats so I could lose to a lane at the end, and immediately everything was much smoother, but it was super frustrating. Um, let's see. Questions. What's your, what was your level three spell? Did you get a level three spell? I got flare by the end. Uh, yeah, I got flare by the end. Um, did, did you try to get the secret items? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I got a couple of them. Uh, what'd you get? Uh, I got the gargoyle killer, and I got the... Um, oh, you killed the gargoyle, right? Four. Yeah, because I was going, I was going for the gargoyle, and the guy was like, "If you're going to do this, you have to need the gargoyle killer." And it was fucking useful, um, but the other one, I it wasn't useful. I think it was Ogden's axe or something. I don't remember. I didn't use it. Um, and then, uh, since the lead designer wanted to make something more like Resident Evil, what terrible idea would Wesker slash Umbrella have for the emigre document? I would encourage you to play. Uh, 
Code Veronica because it's kind of about this. Code Veronica is the most Kadelka Resident Evil ever gets. <laughs> I because I I assume that this is you know because the Evergreen document is specifically like a document of the ancient druidic techniques for messing with life before the church came in and made yes. everything pure and told people to stop that. Code Veronica has is is about an like an Arctic submarine base where Wesker has a matrix fight with Chris Redfield, but it's also about like two siblings who have like a weird like aristocratic incesty anime bullshit thing about like turning into weird gods. So you should really play Code Veronica. It's good. It's my favorite Resident Evil. I should play Code Veronica. I should just... I, I got halfway through the first Resident Evil and liked it. I should just do those games. Yeah. Um, Eric sends an email. In the most recent episode, Jackson says they don't consider Resident Evil 4 a masterpiece. But they do think it's a classic game. I immediately was like, Jackson, you fucking put your foot in it this time. <laughs> like saying shit on a podcast. People take too seriously. People listen to us like we're experts. <laughs> I didn't have a, I did not, uh, Your Honor, I did not have a um, specific definition in mind. All I meant was that Resident Evil 4 is a game in which a massive statue of a little person chases you as a joke. Um, it's, it, I just meant it's not like, you know, it's a classic game, but it's not like super thoughtful or good in all aspects was all I meant. Uh. Uh, question one, which game would either of you consider masterpieces of any? I think this is like, uh, I think this is like a fake dichotomy games are some games are good some games are bad mostly it's about taste and i feel like um like there are games that are like good games that i think are bad like people like okami enough it must be a masterpiece i think that game is intolerable i fucking hate it <laughs> so i agree it this is it's like it's a fake dichotomy right like this is just like a way to prescribe taste uh so we probably shouldn't buy into that also mario 64 uh, these are this. This is the dialectic like, I live. That's fair. Mario 64 is one of the best games ever made. Uh, there's just no doubting it. The part where everyone played Mario 64 again, but no one has context for old games and can understand why it's good anymore, uh, because they're babies who think Odyssey is like an actual good game because no one knows how to platform. <laughs> uh, is infuriating. I'm so mad. Nintendo did me a disservice by re-releasing Mario 64. Um, it's the best game ever made. One of them. It's so fucking good. Uh, anyway, what would you consider to be the difference between a masterpiece and a classic? And are the terms mutually exclusive? Um, or is it like square and rectangle? All masterpieces are classics, but all classics are masterpieces. I would not worry about masterpiece. That is that is just yeah, hype. We, you know, it's the it's the games you like are masterpieces. <laughs> However, you do have an obnoxiously consistent uh, definition of classic games that you will parade out to like annoy me <laughs> occasionally. What's uh, a classic I, game? I mostly use that for anime. Uh, games is I harder. I guess you do it for anime. But yes. Because the, the timeline is so different. Classic anime is any anime that's 20 years old at, at, yeah. or more. Before that, it, it can be like, you know, beloved, a modern classic people might say offhandedly, but it's not, it's not classic anime. Classic anime is any anime that came out uh, before the year 2001 at this point. Um, I don't think that applies to games necessarily, but Yu-Gi-Oh! Classic anime. Yeah, absolutely. What are you talking about? Like the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! The other Yu-Gi-Oh! seasons, not classic anime. Yu-Gi-Oh! is a classic anime. It's specifically the fact that classic has no like uh, qualitative definition to you. Yeah, it just means time. Yeah. I don't agree. I don't agree. Old, old to me implies too much value judgment for people. If you say old, uh, everyone's like, oh, it's like, oh, the animation's bad or whatever. Like, no, it's not. Are you kidding me? Every anime from the 90s is a classic anime. Some of them are bad. Some of them are good, but they're all classic anime. Okay. 
Wow. That's almost an answer. Uh, for video games, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, classic. It's weird because, like, video games are so hardware bound, but also that, like, dissolves on certain, for certain games and certain platforms. Like, what is a classic PC game? I have no idea. Don't ask me. But if you ask me for, like, console games, it's probably two generations ago, unless it got a port. 360 games are classic games. Uh, okay. PS3. Yeah. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, classic game. Can't play it. That, you have to you have to buy boutique play. hardware to play that game. It's the most classic game possible. I guess that's true. It's a bad Who game, it? but it's a classic. God damn it. Let's move on to the next question. <laughs> um, all right. Ba, ba, ba. Uh, this is from Hilver. I didn't play the game, but skimmed through a long play. I like seeing RPGs in a condensed space. Any other notable single environment or location games? Uh, well, like Yakuza exists. <laughs> Yakuza does exist. It's really good. Uh, Resident Evil, obviously. Uh, it's not an RPG. I mean, no, it's not an RPG either, but like uh, Attack the Friday Monsters. That's a great game. Single environment. It's really good. Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid, absolutely. You know when they fucked up Metal Gear when they had you go through more than one base. Mm, yeah, it's specifically well, you go through two bases and three, but like it, the area is still congruous, and I think that matters. I mean, you go through two bases and two, yeah. but that's like a different. You know, but like in the four, part where four every levels. yeah every act is a different area, and they don't connect at all. Like they're literally across the world from each other. That part sucks. Yeah, and five is an open world, so, the, so everything's like a tiny outpost. It's fucking yep. terrible. Uh. Guns as a turn-based RPG attack, yay or nay? I think it's... Absolutely I, yay. I like it here, and I I think the thing is, if it has ammo, it's cool. If it doesn't have ammo, it's like it kind of... Like, I think it's cool that Laguna uses a gun. I don't give a shit about Guns and Persona. Uh, guns and Persona do use ammo, though. Like the, oh, do they? Persona 5 like makes the gun... A, Persona 5 changes how the gun works. It's like a core mechanic in that game. Okay. We've not played it, so we can't really weigh in on I, it. I was thinking about like guns... Because like in like SMT4, you have, you can ha you can yes. get a gun. But it's not about like managing ammo. In Persona 5, the gun, I believe... And don't, don't correct me if I'm wrong, I've not played Persona 5. Is not your primary weapon. It is a, in your holster at all times with a limited ammo. And occasionally, if you want to, you can choose to shoot some guys. Oh, okay. If it's just another weapon, it's like, like aesthetically, it can be cool, but like, I don't care. Um, but like, I really like it in Parasite Eve. I think it's like kind of, it could be interesting in this game, but I don't think they use it well. Cause it's just not, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the XP sync for people who don't know how the magic system works to me. Yeah. It's like I the mean, character, I, I, I the like character in Fire Emblem you get at the beginning, who's like always way too powerful and just eats XP from the characters you actually need to level up. That's what the guns are in Kodoka. <laughs> I guess that's true. I, I do like the idea of, um, you know, uh, you you are the way a gun translates to turn based gameplay, and you get to the turn where you're like, I just need to shoot this guy and fuck you're out of ammo. That's like good, mm -hmm. um, and that happens a couple times in Kadelka, but I, there are other games that lean into it more. Okay. Justin sends out an email. Have either of you just completely burned out on a game despite enjoying it up to the point you stopped? One might say that's many games. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way i play games uh justin brought up metal gear solid 5 who they play they played for 80 hours uh pushed through another 20 hours which uh was thought that it was the ending but is only a start for the trailer sequence for the remainder of the game took a couple months off played a game i was like nope no more um yeah that seems like a bad game for it uh it is a bad game for it they also they also picked up umineko after we talked about it last episode and uh 
they're almost at the end of the question arcs after 80 hours, and then they begin the answer arcs, which apparently are another 80 hours. I'm never fucking playing Umineko. I don't have that kind of time in my life for anything. No, that's just not happening. Sorry. Um, I'm, I continue to say I need to go back to Xenoblade Chronicles, which is a game I like a lot, but every time I play, like, you know, f- anywhere between three and six hours, and then I just stop for another couple months. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I Someday I'll finish it, I'm sure. I know there are examples of this for me. There's a lot of them, but I, I just tend to like, I, I feel like the way my focus shifts is more like I have like intense periods of hyperfixating on a thing I'm doing and then just stop arbitrarily mm-hmm. r- rather than burning out. I just like my focus shifts. That's yeah. how I am as a person. Yep. Yeah. That. That. Yeah. It's either focus shifts or something else comes up. Like a lot of it's like, oh, I have to work on podcast work, so I have to stop messing around with this thing. And then uh, do I come back? Probably not. Let's be real. Uh, Oh yeah, like when I got like half the way through Cyber Sleuth at the time and then had to stop for my like exam thing and then was like, oh, I can never play Cyber Sleuth again. I have to start it again at some point. Still haven't played it. Um, we got an email from Zach. Uh, I'm the person who emailed a few months ago about a good starter JRPG. Someone doesn't like them. I played Earthbound, which you both su- suggested. Didn't like it, except for the soundtrack. Uh, apparently something's wrong with me, though, because I have a craving to play Dragon Quest Eleven. You should not play Dragon it, it it, it's another it's it's kind of the same game you should not play dragon quest 11 the thing the thing about earthbound is it's like a dragon quest exactly in the gameplay is a dragon quest but uh it's better in tone mm. so if you don't like earthbound you're not gonna like dragon quest you should you should go play like a more actiony jrpg i think give that a shot um yeah, it's time to get into something with, like, 20 different action RPG balance meter systems. Yeah, go play a Tales or something, you know? Let's fucking go. Uh, my question. Do you have any interest in diving into itch or alt-type games uh, and think there's still a critical viewpoint to talk about them, aside from belaboring the point that the games industry is bad and people should expand their play scope? Um, <laughs> this is weird because, like, so, we used to do this so, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I felt a bit bad going to see how I was like, damn this used to be our thing and then we stopped because we wanted to play jrpgs are we the problem did we become the problem so the thing is i i i always want to go back to itch uh like the sites i used as like like you know curation for this they went away <laughs> sites come and go, <laughs> I, didn't, go away. I didn't pick up new ones um and i just kind of let it drift off also the problem happened where itch games be instead of being like 20 minute free games became like 10 dollar three hour games and the time is actually a bigger deal than the price but the price is not not a deal you know <laughs> like yes. the it's less like, it's not even like a deal like i don't want to pay ten dollars but it does mean like i am more in if i'm playing them i'm being more intentional about it yeah. it's less like oh let's go on itch and play some games for half an hour yeah it used to be i go to itch and download like you know 10 15 games and just spend an afternoon playing them we also started making way more podcasts makes it harder to do that (laughs) yeah uh like there's a reason we've drifted away from it and we're also like less people think of us as an anime (laughs) group now uh we're in games twitter but we're a bit more um peripheral than we used to be despite being bigger you know like yeah. i just feel like our space changes but uh i mean yes they're absolutely worth uh, yes like the other an- the other answer is like this podcast it's really hard to sustain like one a lot of these games are made by like people without resources or like one person just making a game and like bringing the like critical apparatus to that is like a delicate thing because you don't want to like be out of pocket about like being hypercritical about something you don't like like 
there's a particular type of like i really like walking simulators but there's a particular type of like usually unity but like let's not pick on using using an engine but like like abstract slow walking simulator just about a mood that i've played dozens of at this point and i don't like them anymore even though i think it's fine if people still want to make those and explore those mechanics like the problem with games is that literally everyone making a game has to reinvent the wheel <laughs> Yeah, and there's no like benefit to us walking up to someone's like student project and being like, "Let's tear this thing down." Yeah, um, um, and so we we often wait until we do the grab bags and we try to grab a couple small games, but like we're not really doing itches because it just it's hard to do with this framework. Like at some point, maybe if our lives were a little more together, uh, I would love to, to be like, "Oh yeah, we're just gonna play like 20 itch games this month, and we're just gonna record five minutes on each of them because a lot of games don't need more than that." Um, and if they do, we'll yeah. go longer, but like we can just go through them all. But like. The thing is, to do that well, to give to give that the good shake and like make something that people want to listen to, we don't need to play twenty games. We need to play a hundred games and find the twenty best games, and that's just not happening with the way our lives are right now. Yeah, we we unfortunately still have the results, which is like the whole problem, right? Yeah. The entire problem is a question of resources, not really a question of like taste or even quality. Yeah, right. It's not about oh these games are better and being it is entirely a stru- you know this is why we're anti capitalist, right? Like this is the structural question. It's always that is the answer, unfortunately. Um, I'd like to do this a little more on my YouTube channel, but like, I kind of got in the weeds. I started playing Hitman and that, that didn't go well for my brain. So I bounced to like, I need to just play something dumb that I can just like hit buttons and good stuff happens. And so I started playing Dumb I Cry and that's been great. Um, I, I intend to do something that's a little more like, here's a bunch of games, let's explore them. But they're not itch games or like older games that hopefully will be out next month. We'll see. Um, but also like the reality is like energy is low. We're both depressed and mental health is bad and everyone's locked inside. Like it's hard to think about like, let's take on a big ambitious project right now. And I'm having trouble keeping up with like doing laundry and waking up on time in the morning. (laughs) The dysfunction is really high lately. And I think that's true of everyone. Like I'm not just making it as an excuse. We're all going through it. Um, Mm -hmm. And also the reason that we cover the games we cover these days um, is because we want to play them. Yeah. Like we are not going to play like, so a lot of a lot of YouTubers right talk about the idea of like sometimes I cover small games and some and when I do that no one watches right. We are not doing that. We are not driven by analytics in that way. We try as very hard not even to look at them. God, uh, if we went is, if we went back to analytics, we'd just be it'd be Zelda's all the way down. Easy get. Yeah, people right, love it when we right. talk about Nintendo games. It would be like we're fortunate enough with the success of like Gundam that we don't have to like do that. Uh, so when we're doing bigger games, it's less because of uh, like chasing that and entirely because of like this podcast exists because it is this is often sometimes and like we're playing apex right but that's 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 like an activity we do with friends i'm not completing anything we play games on this podcast so i can complete video games i would not have played kadelka and had the time uh, to like just you know sit down and play an rpg for 12 hours uh if it wasn't for for game club and like that's the other thing is it's the only way we play games we're just so we've been way and like with um ggp we've been way less like we used to be more insecure about making sure the games we covered hit like enough of the like right things we thought we should be doing. Yeah, I think that made the podcast worse. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of games that we play because we're like, oh, these are like cult classics. These are things that need coverage. Like no one's actually talked seriously about binary domain other than saying it's good. The problem is all those games I fucking hate. <laughs> yes there's definitely times that we come to something and we're like we should be doing this and we always we're always just mean um yeah in ways that are like you know it's deserved and that's the other reason that it's hard to do like some smaller games because i feel like the way we like things is to be seriously critical about them like there are some people who think that we're like gundam haters (laughs) 
because that's what the podcast is, right? We are critical about the thing every week. That's just how we are. And that ha- takes on a different tone when you are talking about, like, here's someone's itch they made in yeah. 20 minutes. I, and like, you know, let's see, let's not pick on a particular chair. Let's let, Mario Odyssey. I hate Mario Odyssey. I think it's badly designed. I've watched like multiple yes. people play their Mario Odyssey. I had a pretty good time playing their Mario Odyssey. I think it's a bad game, though. I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, no. Both can be true. Like, the critical apparatus has nothing to do with, like, when I'm running around as Mario pressing buttons, I wish the jumps were better, but I enjoyed the jumps I got. It's not like I hated it, but on the other side, thinking about what it represents in, like, the pantheon of Mario games, it's a really bad game to me. The jumps should be better. The jumps should be better. <laughs> or the jumps are good. The the courses should be better. You, the jumps should be meaningful. Yep. They gave you a cap jump, and they asked you to do nothing with it except collect eight hundred things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This this is the thing, right? Like, often our critiques are like very esoteric critiques on the other side that come from playing too many games, playing too many goddamn games. There was a too many goddamn games. God, what were, what were we talking about the other day? It comes up every time uh, 13 Sentinels Ages Rim comes up, which is not a game I intend to play. I've heard about <laughs> it. I'm not here to like crap with people like it, whatever. But like when I was talking about that game with friends, I've played, I've played like the Nonary games. I've played Danganronpa. I know what this style of game is. I've played a bunch of them already and I don't, I didn't like them the first time that much. And I don't really want to play more of that style of game. Um, and so like just more like a new generation of games doing that stuff is like good for the people who want it. Like, you know, you don't, you need to go back to Danganronpa. There's some really heinous shit in Danganronpa. I guess there probably is an Aegis Rim too. They get naked and they get the robots, right? I think that's the thing of that game. Um, that sucks. Sure. But um, I, I, I profoundly hate Danganronpa. So like, I, I, I like Danganronpa more else. than you, but like Danganronpa 3 is a really vile game sometimes. Um, yes. And uh and so, like, it's fine that those games exist for, like, a new generation that are inspired by those old ones, and maybe people go back and play them, or not, who cares? But, like, I already know I don't like those games, so I'm fine with it. I, but that only comes because I played a bunch of games ten years ago, right? Like, uh, you just see the cycles in a way that, like, can often rob you of uh, a certain joy that exists when you're just playing games casually. Uh, what I'm saying is, like, educating yourself is a double-edged sword, and often it makes you miserable about, like, historical This, this art. is, like, when... Death Stranding hit. <laughs> I really want to play and Death Stranding as the thing. I've I've wrapped I, back around to Galaxy Branding myself going, I really want to play Death Stranding. <laughs> I this I understand, but like the reviews hit and people are like, this game's wild. This game has some wild shit in it, and it's just wild. And I loaded that game up and I was on Skype to you within 45 minutes, predicting every single beat of the ending exactly. Like I just I've I don't I haven't even seen that much anime or played that many games. You don't need that much to see the truth. I mean, the thing about Death Stranding is a lot of people who watched Metal Gear like from the outside, like what is this weird thing, went into Death Stranding being like, Oh, this all the weird shit I heard about Metal Gear is gonna be in here, but turned up to eleven. And uh, as far as I can tell from Death Stranding, it seems like a slightly more sedate version of Metal Gear, honestly. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of that. I mean, like the Metal Gear has the weird thing of like, you know, th- that is a anime ass game, and it is a lot of the criticism around it is by people who don't like that stuff, and so it's their like only experience of it. So uh, the parts where like Death Stranding is just ripping off Evangelion is not always going to like be obvious to certain games critics. Yeah. Um, Kojima's putting out that book about his influences. It's going to be a list of movies he's seen. It. We're going to read it. We might do it. We might even cover it on so this terrible. podcast. It'll be at the middle of the year, I think. End of the year? End of the year. It's this fall, I think. That's a, that's free half an hour of podcast. Yeah. It'll be funny. Everyone um, like it? It's going to be really bad, because I remember when he had a movie call him, and all he did was be like, oh, yeah, I really like Escape from New York and Die Hard, lads. Aliens, have you heard of it? And I'm like, yeah, I know. You're like an IMDb poster. <laughs> 
He's the fucking dumbest man. Anyway, we have an email anyway. from Ritz. Uh, let's say you were placed in charge of designing a radically different controller for a new video game console. Would it be shaped differently than standard design? Is there a feature that would always immediately be within reach, like a screenshot button? Uh, in my mind, design of any new gamepad should be modular so you could swap parts out for greater accessibility. Um, I've got an answer. Do you have an answer? I, um, you know, it, I do think like a modular design makes sense. I think like the, like the Xbox accessibility controller is really cool, but also it's like a really boutique object. There's people who need things that are more like in the middle, like, like a hundred dollar controller plus a bunch of like plug-in accessories, um, is hard, um, compared to like, you could make the controller a little more accessible on the base level, but also controls are already goddamn expensive. So this runs into the capitalism problem, but let me give you your, let me hear your answer. So the, my, one of my favorite controllers is the Wii remote and nunchuck. And one of my most disappointing controllers is the joystick because I love you mean the joy cons? Joy-Cons, Joy-Cons, I mean the Joy-Cons, yes. And I was like, oh, finally, a Wii Remote and Nunchuck, but like with the features of controllers and has buttons on them, <laughs> like, and I can click in the thing, and then it's fucking terrible. Um, but it would absolutely be an extension of the Wii Remote and Nunchuck of like, specifically molded to your hands, like, two things you hold separately. I think split controllers are a really good idea. Like, the, the specific, like, hunched over both hands on a joypad uh controller is something i would like to move away from yes i think you can do it with like being able to move your hands about which like you'll probably like i would probably design it with the ability to click them together if you were like in that mode and it's, it's helpful sometimes uh but like if i'm playing like a you know the e exploratory part of you know if i'm on the world map in any jrpg i don't need to be like that i can just have it one hand on that thing yep. um, um so it's stuff like that I um I'd say D pads should be better, but they're like I like the Xbox Series X D pad. I think it's like genuinely the best D pad right now that you can get. Um, I think I think the thing I think would be more useful, and I feel like we're heading that direction, is maybe not on maybe not on maybe not on PlayStation. I probably not on Switch. Actually, thinking about it, is the just being able to use whatever controller you want for the thing. You should be able to plug in keyboard and mouse, play every video game. You should be able to plug in like weird old controllers. Like now that they're all wireless, it should just connect and allow you to play the, the thing with the controller you like. If you like the DualShock thing where the D-pad is a split D-pad that is on the same level as the face buttons, it lets you play Hatsune Miku better than any other controller on Earth, you should be able to just plug that in. Play Hatsune Miku, uh, you know, and not you have to use a Joy-Con. Um, I think that would alleviate a lot of the problems. Um, and then everything else is like software based. Like never add, never let people have to make people mash a button make it a hold or just take that shit out of your game in the first place it's not fun either way yep make your quick time events auto like you know auto pass if, if you know people with slower reaction times it's hard you know like um but that's like software stuff i don't know what the hardware answer is i think the controllers are mostly pretty good i just wish that it was less closed systems like uh destiny plays the sims with a controller and a mouse at this point basically and there's a keyboard sometimes it's uh, nice to get a keyboard but like being able to use a mouse on, on the xbox just out of the box you plug a mouse and it works incredible yeah, i mean when i'm on my like couch i have a mouse and a keyboard like a wireless keyboard next to me because i often use a computer on the tv mm -hmm. um and uh yeah it's good having everything on, on hand is helpful right yeah like, 
I'm sure this year, I mean, we've also independently done some other bullshit that will, you know, doesn't matter. But I'm sure this year I will once again be like, maybe I'll catch up on 14. You know, classic Jackson move. I won't, but I'll think about it. And when I do, I'll play with a controller and a keyboard and a mouse next to me, right? Like yeah. I'll have everything kind of available because I can connect them all. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything other than that, you know, um, pushing, pushing accessibility features is good, but I think that's more of a software problem. Um, and like allowing other controllers to be used on your platform, like everything needing a weird dongle that costs a bunch of money on platform sucks. You seen this thing about the PS5 controllers that they're all, all breaking already? They all have drift, right? Yeah. They all have the same fucking, and it's because of like, you know, the parts inside of shit well it's it's specifically not about the accelerometers because they're the same thing every controller uses it's like the ways in which they're shielded from like debris and like damage right like yeah it's like the like rings around yeah yeah and i was like damn they could just fix those this wasn't a problem on the n64 (laughs) i mean n64 Um, had its own uh, analogic problems But the, like, I saw an article going around that was like, this is why joy, like drift is getting worse as time goes on because like refinements in the production process allow them to make the controllers cheaper, yeah. even whilst shuffling them with more expensive shit. Um, and I like, I assume like studios actually like drift because it just means people have to buy more controllers. I mean, if if it's too much though, then you have to replace them for everyone because everyone's mad at you. Yep. I don't know. Um, it sucks. I don't know. It sucks. Uh, yeah, I had to, I had to set my Wiimotes off and it was terrible and God, I fucking hate the Switch. <laughs> yes. Joy-Con's legitimately the worst controller since like, I'm not a huge fan of the Dreamcast pad, but like, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. I hate the Joy-Con so much. I also, another thing about the Joy- Joy-Cons and the Switch to me is that there is no reason that they couldn't have also put the Wii U IR bar like in the dock. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Every game still has to do pointing stuff half the time. Just put a sense, like, let me put a sensor bar as an option. It's so much better than gyroscope aiming. Everyone aiming, whatever. I mean, like, you know, for shit like World Ends With You and stuff like that, where you have to point at a screen, mm-hmm. why have they not allowed IR bars as an option? I don't know. The IR bar is one of the cheapest bits of technology that Nintendo have ever sold. Yep. <laughs> Hate it. Uh, we have an email from John. Uh, what's your favorite RTS? Do you have one, Jackson? Even remotely close to an RTS, is there any game you like? <laughs> I, I have, like, the one... Uh, I've played two RTS in my life, okay. I think. Have I only played two? I played the first StarCraft II campaign, and I played Warhammer Dawn of War, the first one. Not Dawn of War 2, which I know you like. Yeah, Dawn of RTS War 2 is like. my answer here, because I played a bit of that years ago at this point, and I thought it was pretty sick. <laughs> Like I enjoy, I enjoyed that first Starcraft campaign because it was mostly like kind of puzzle levels, uh-huh. uh, as opposed to uh, the first Dawn of War where every level was like because it's a video game played against AI. I can just sit in the base, build up my entire army, and then stump everyone. So I did. Yeah, <laughs> but that was not like especially entertaining. Yeah, the thing with Dawn of War Two is that there's no base building. It like it was like basically what like modern XCOM grew up like it feels very influenced by Dawn of War 2 it's like small squads mm-hmm. you pick them at the beginning of the mission they drop down and you are like navigating them through a space to go do stuff mm-hmm. um, and it was cool um, yep. but 
RTSs are not like our strong suit. No, I I mean I'd love to get into them someday because it just opened up a world of games I've never played and I'd be really interested in them. But like they're just really like like I played a long time ago. I played StarCraft maybe like ten years ago at this point. I played through StarCraft mostly, um, but it was hard. I didn't understand it. I like. I needed to like check a guide because I was always concerned about my builder. I didn't really internalize how to play it. It was just too hard for me. Um, I don't know. I I would love to be able to like crack this and understand it, but I don't. I'd I'd rather do this for like strategy, like tactics games than RTSs. Yes. If you ask me, if you ask me what kind of game I wish I could just understand and enjoy that I don't right now, my answer is absolutely going to be I wish I could play like Tactics Over and Final Fantasy Tactics and have a good time. <laughs> Uh, I I think underst- I can un- we can understand those. I don't think that's our problem. I have a hard time. I just don't. I feel like I I always get anxious about them because I don't. I feel like I'm doing it wrong. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I th- I thought you were gonna say like um a, like you know European Universalis. No, no. The thing with those is like I want a game that I still want a game that ends. This is why I don't play MMOs. <laughs> yeah, <right? Like, laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, what game has your favorite inventory management system? Ooh. I mean, like Shatter Resident Evil 4, I think this is the right answer. I mean, I was going to say, so, but is that a system? Yeah, you got to Tetris your inventory. Sure. No, no, I, I agree. I, I was like reading this question and I was like, does this mean an interface by which you are deciding what inventory you have oh or does it need to be something more like permanent like, yeah like i mean i guess it, like if you just like the interface by which you move items like apex is probably one of my favorites i really like how that works well i mean more well, like there's no like resident Evil 4 is just a menu on some level right it's like a menu you have to organize into the box and i, I think it, don't get me wrong one of the best in, in video games but um it, there is no like persistence to that right like it's just the the space but i think it's the right answer yeah at least i guess to do uh then we have one final email from anthony here uh played about half of shadow hearts from the new world uh while not understanding the combat system when i rented it um i got to a boss i couldn't beat and then later realized there were entire systems i'd not used are there any games you've beaten or played just gonna out of and then late learn later you actually were playing it wrong jackson tell me about bayonetta 2 <laughs> i've not i beat bayonetta 2 just fine i just didn't change my weapon ever ever it didn't change my weapon um i felt I beat that it. It was i felt that way playing ninja gaiden black because i didn't understand how the like ultimate technique or whatever it's called worked oh yeah that'll that'll do it yes and they explain it way better in ninja gaiden 2 and it helps a lot to just be able to fucking kill guys <laughs> you really kill guys in that game um you know this is like the uh, rob zachney on waypoint beat control without getting like some of the powers or whatever right like those are the, the classic answers I'm trying to think of ones that I have. I know, like, my friend got to, like, halfway through Birth by Sleep without melding a single command. Oh, is that, I assume that's, like, a fundamental component, right? Yep. Yeah. Fun, that, that is I the I assume game. it's like, you oh, I didn't, I didn't fuse Personas and I played through Persona. Yeah, there's, uh, maybe even more, like, because it, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, absolutely. Great. Uh, I do like not give a shit about crafting systems and games. If you if if you don't if you can let me just ignore it and like push on, I will probably push on and ignore it. <laughs> That's probably wise, honestly. Um, but I, I can't think of any off the top of my head about this. Um, I did I did play like sixty hours of uh, Skyrim back in the day before I like ever got invested in like alchemy and stuff. And then the minute I did, I was like, man, why haven't I been doing this the whole fucking time? 
<laughs> um, game's bad about rolling out systems for you. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, I think that's all I've got. Again, podcast at if you would like to send us emails. Uh, we love them. We love them so much. Yeah. So, next month, video games. We are playing two of them. Uh, we are playing The Legend of Zelda The Ocarina of Time. Maybe you've heard of it. Oh, right. <laughs> I guess we are. The conclusion to the epic saga, I didn't play Ocarina of Time yep. in time. Uh, and then we're also playing, and this is a Patreon request, we're playing Karuna Tame ni Kane Wanaru, which is also known as for the frog for whom the bell tolls. This is a Game Boy game. You can get an English translation of it very easily. Um, it is a Nintendo-developed game. It's the precursor to Link's Awakening. Uh, it, it feels very similar in terms of engine. I played a little bit of it already, and uh, seems good. Seems really short, so it'll be good to do Ocarina of Time on top of it. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to tackle Ocarina of Time yet, because that's a game I've played a billion times, so I might do the Master Quest. I might try the Randomizer. I don't know. I'm, I want to I touch it again in like a different format, because there's so many weird ways to play Ocarina of Time at this point. Um, and you've played Ocarina of Time a billion times. So yeah, I literally can give you dungeon advice from my memory, and I haven't played that game in years at this point. <laughs> you shall be doing that multiple times. <laughs> um, and so uh, that'll be fun. Uh, Ocarina, I, you know, if you have the availability to play the 3DS version, I highly recommend it. Um, I think I think the updates are good. But if you know if you want to play 64 version, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and yeah, you, you know, we're all good Game Boy games are found these days. Get uh, the fro- uh, the frog for whom the bell tolls. So yes, um, you can find English patches on romhacking.net. Yeah, um, we'll link we'll link one of those in the description if I remember. I hope I remember. Uh, also, since we're done with our RPG, we get to announce our next JRPG in two months. We do. What is it? Our next RPG is here we go we're gonna start a debate uh i think it's live a live we're playing live a live okay it might be live a live it probably is live a live i shall be calling it live alive because the, i'm the thing the is the katakana being. is the same I so don't it care. should be live a live I don't care i don't care and i do not care it sounds wrong live alive live a live no it's like stepping in mud anyway this is a square game developed for the super nintendo uh again this only was uh in japan but you can get a translation i will link another one of those uh patches um thinking fondly about earlier in this year when they were like trademarking it and talk like being like look forward to our stream uh where they then did the stream and it was an anniversary stream where like some of the leads and yoksha mirror like watched a concert from last year when they could do concerts and just ate grapes and announced nothing. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty funny actually. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Honestly, uh, me and Camille had a way better time with that than anything else they could have done. Yeah, um, I'm really excited about that game because uh, I know it's one of those where it's like different like chapters with like different characters. That sounds pretty good to me. I really like Dragon Quest Four. Is the thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah um that'll be our next two months so look forward to that um and uh, i think that's everything yeah plugs jackson that is everything uh you can find me at headfalls off at twitter.com you can find the podcast that we do at abnormalmapping.com there's a whole bunch of cool ones there please listen to them 
Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. Uh, you can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash neuromapping. Uh, check us out. For $1, you get Gundam every week. We watch, we're watching Gundam X right now with our friend Austin Walker. Um, and <laughs> Ghost the Shell standalone complex second gig. That's an anime that you can watch, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. If you pay $10, you get VoIP Life, which is me and Jackson goofing off every two weeks. Uh, a lot of gaming content on there lately, so... If you would like to listen to us b- bullshit about games, it's a good way to do it. Um, but it, you know, it's just kind of for fun. Uh, so don't feel too bad if you're like ten dollars is a lot right now. There's a thing on. I understand. <laughs> yes, no, that's not meant to be essential content. Um, and uh, again, uh, the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/no-mapping. The Dumb and Cry thing continues, and uh, future thing coming up soon. Um, once they figure it out, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I just uh, need the time and energy to put it together. Um, and uh let's see. is there anyone else i want to plug uh, listen to a journal updated the second best claim game.club uh <laughs> nor and molly recently <laughs> played what did they play last month i don't remember now it's been weeks now at this point they played the banner saga and they're about to play radical dreamers yes thank you there you go i'm gonna be on that podcast later this year for another game um i'm looking forward to that um they're good podcasts if you would like let's plays you can check uh dia lucina's let's plays on youtube or she's playing through uh dragon's dogma uh me and jackson have guested on various episodes of that and i will continue to guest on future ones i was going to catch up and then uh, life stuff ha- it's been hard everything's hard i have now given up on promising to do extra things because yep. <laughs> i just realized it's just not happening we Get have a new we have a new gaming podcast on our network that is not video games. Uh, we should make the pitch for that too. Oh yeah, shit! You should go listen to Do Not Steal. Yeah, uh, Do Not Steal. Does that have a URL? Uh, Normapping.com slash Do Not Steal. Do Not Steal. Yeah, is our friends uh, Hannah and Olivia playing through tabletop? Sometimes you can play a game without video content. It's just a bunch of papers that you and dice you roll. I don't really understand it, but uh, people seem to like it a lot. Uh, and they play various game systems, and critique them, and then build characters in them. That's the thing. Um, they have two episodes out now. That's monthly, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, look forward to that. They did episodes on Blades in the Dark and Lancer, which are two uh, popular games, uh, both featured on Friends of the Table, right? Pretty sure they have played both those. I believe so. I'm really bad. I listen to, I listen to Friends of the Table, like it a lot. I have played tabletop games like three times in my life and don't really think about it ever. So it's a big blind spot for me. I know that there's a lot of overlap for video games and tabletop, so you should check out Do Not Steal. But don't ask me to understand it. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's a good it's a it's a funny podcast if you don't like tabletop games you just like our genre of like being critical about systems it's really good for that absolutely yep good um, show that's everything so uh until next time there's never been a better time for video games <laughs> shut up shut <laughs> up